Welcome to the Super Sentai Brothers. This is episode 28 of For Your Eyes O-Ranger, the internet's best and only podcast dedicated to Choriki Sentai O-Ranger. Every week we watch an episode of the show, we share our thoughts with you, the listeners. My name is Matt J. With me as always is my co-host and brother Dave. Dave, how are you doing today? Not bad, man. Had a nice day. Took a nice long walk. Babies went down pretty easily. All good things. Nice, nice, nice. Yeah, my, like, a really big part of my day is how well the babies go down, which is weird, because it doesn't happen until what is largely the end of my day, but it's the first, it's the beginning of the part of my day where uh, I could just kind of chill out. Right, it's the so beginning. sense. It's the beginning of the part of the day that is your day. Yeah, that is that is purely my day as opposed to the baby's day, and I'm just sort of along for the ride. So, oh, I'm, uh, glad, yeah. I'm glad to hear it's off to a good start. Yeah, thanks. And now I'm doing this with you, so what more could you ask for? Dave, the one thing that you could ask for is episode 28 of Cherokee Sentai O-Ranger. It is called Behold the Miracle Fortress. Uh, speaking of things that you have asked for, uh, this is exactly something you were asking for last week. It's more about this Miracle Fortress. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm very excited to watch it. Uh, but before we get into that, Dave, as always, shining in the heavens, there are five stars. Would you like to know what the first star of the week is? Uh, yes, Matt, I would. I would like to. I was trying to figure out a way to get Behold in there, and it didn't work for me. But yeah, enlighten me, man. What's going on? Uh, so the first star of the week, Dave, is that I have mentioned before that for Christmas this year... Uh, mm-hmm. I got a tea clock, uh, a teapot alarm clock. Yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's uh, a very cool. Is, I assume this is it's it's everything you hoped and dreamed, right? Like, oh yeah, it's, absolutely. Uh, uh-huh. It has totally changed my mornings. Uh, for uh, uh, recently, big listeners, uh, re- which is to say, listeners who have only started listening to us recently. Um, if you yeah, did, that's, mm-hmm. that is sure what those words mean. Yeah, a recently listener. Yeah. Uh huh. Uh, anyway, what what this is, is it is an alarm clock that is also sort of a hot pot. So you fill it up with water the night before. Um, it sort of, and then you set the alarm and it boils the water and puts it into a little like teapot. Uh, and then the alarm goes off. And it's made my life a lot better because I wake up to the gentle, soothing sounds of boiling water instead of the horrible sounds of an alarm clock. And yeah, then no, also, really good. you know, I, I have hot tea ready for, or hot water rather ready for my tea. But here, Dave, here's here's the thing mm-hmm. that I was not really thinking about when I got this for Christmas, because of course Christmas is late December in the yeah. in the heart of the winter. Traditionally, yes. Uh, and when and when you wake up in in December, at least in the northern hemisphere, it's chilly out, and you're excited to get some hot tea. But Dave, now it's June, and <laughs> that's true. That's right. It's like the dead of winter in like the Upside Down. Yeah. Um, so I guess, uh, you know, hold hold strong, folks. The, the the summer will be back someday, but I am enjoying it right now. But Dave, the problem is that that means that I am not super enthused about drinking the tea that I make every morning. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And so I, I, I can't go back to just waking up to an alarm clock. So I have to have this thing that is boiling the water so that I can wake up to the, the delightful sounds of boiling water. Yeah. 
And if I'm going to boil the water, then I don't want to not give myself the option to make tea. So every mo- every right. night when I'm going to bed, I dutifully set up, you know, I put the water in the thing, I set up a mug, mm-hmm. I pull out a tea bag, and I ready myself in the morning. And then in the morning, the alarm clock goes off, and I pour the water into the mug, and I make the tea, and then I put it on top of the clock where there's a little shelf, and then I put it down, and about half an hour later, I'm like, man, I did not drink that tea. Uh, but I don't want to throw it away because I've already made tea. Okay, just to be clear, Matt, you're telling me that you repeat this exact process every morning. Yeah, yeah. Okay, I'm just... So you forget about the tea every morning and then... No, yeah, please continue. I mean, it's not that I forget that it's there. It's that I don't get around to drinking it because I'm not excited about drinking a hot beverage. But I do want to keep making it. And so what happens is that I, I hop out of bed... Uh, I I take the tea bag out of the mug. I throw the tea bag away, and I just toss that mug in the fridge because I'm like, man, eventually, what I'm doing is one mu- like mug by mug, I am making myself a pitcher of iced tea. So like, no, man, th- okay, three or four Listen. days into this thing, I no, open the refrigerator when I get home, and I'm like, well, that's I mean, that's half a pitcher. So I just like dumped all of those mugs into a pitcher, put it back in the fridge, and I am. Almost done with my pitcher of iced tea. Then I'm going to turn things around and start drinking that in the morning. Very excited. Okay, Matt. See, let me tell you what you're actually doing. Is you are not making a pitcher of iced tea. You are making a pitcher of kombucha. Step by step is what you're doing. Because you're just leaving a whole bunch of tea sitting around. And that's not how you make iced tea. That's how you make a fermented tea beverage. And if you're into that. That's fine. I personally love the booch, but <laughs> I just want you to know that you're producing a different beverage entirely. And also, if you're not prepared for kombucha, like, like just don't drink a lot of it all at once. I, uh, I have a coworker who told me he was at a health food store and his wife got him like a pint of, of this fizzy ginger drink uh-huh. and then he spent the next... Many hours in the restroom. Well, sure, it's a just living kinda, coverage. Yeah, just kind of from both both ends is how he described it. And I said, buddy, it sounds like you drank a pint of kombucha. And he said, yeah, that sounds right. And I said, do you eat a lot of like other like live culture foods like yogurt and things like that? And he says, no, I don't eat any of that stuff. And I said, well... I can tell you what your problem was. (laughs) Um, Listen, what's been changing my morning is I have recently gotten on that cold brew coffee tip. Oh. Yeah. So I I start it in the morning, like around when I wake up, which is around 6.37, because that's when the babies get up. And then it cold brews for about 12 hours. And then before I go to bed, I strain all the coffee out and I put it back in the fridge. So when I wake up in the morning... I've got delicious, like, iced coffee just already ready to go. Uh, It's killer. It's killer. Ultimately, Matt, what you could do is you could just get, like, I'm sure that it exists on the internet somewhere, just, like, the sound of boiling water. You just set that up on your phone alarm and then just make an actual pitcher of iced tea like an adult. I mean, listen, I have thought about that. That's an option that's also open to you. Listen, I'll tell you what. I mean, but my experiment is not yet done. I have not yet started enjoying this iced tea slash booch. Um, I'm gonna I'm gonna enjoy it soon, 
And then I'll let you know whether or not I have to change up my morning routine during them summer months. Dave, what? <laughs> what is our second star of the week? So it's a short one, uh, but I was driving at, uh, I was at, I was at Whole Foods the other day. I shop at Whole, I already told you how I like kombucha, so obviously I shop at Whole Foods. Sure, right? sure, sure. Like, I feel, yeah. So anyways, uh, so I was at Whole Foods and we were, we were leaving and I just, I drove by a, a sort of pale yellow car. Mm-hmm. And the the license plate said Pika P, which already is a pretty strong commitment to the gag. Yes, absolutely. Of, and I we were driving, and I said, "What what kind of car even was that?" And Beth said, "Oh, it was a Volt," which is man. I want to know how long that person thought about that particular <laughs> gag. I've never committed to a joke hard enough to buy a car for it. I feel like so, that is the sort of per- like that is the sort of joke that you think about and then you wait 10 years until you eventually buy a Chevy Volt. Yeah, or any any electric car really and then you're like I'm going to do it and then you finally and you've been telling all your friends about it. Like you've been telling your friend this dude every person this guy knows or a girl knows knew about this plan. For minimum five years in advance. Oh, that's 100%. definitely true. And then he actually and he didn't tell anybody. I'm assuming it's a dude. It could, it doesn't have to be. But oh, and there was a um, what's the yellow team in Pokemon Go? Um, oh, it is Team Man. I don't know. Blue is Team Mystic. Uh, that's my team. I cannot remember team, the yellow one. Team Dynamic or something. I forget. Team Valor is it? Team Valor. Uh, anyway, Valor is Team red. Yellow. Okay, so anyways, Team Yellow, they had a decal for that on the back of their car as well. And uh, yeah, so they definitely everybody knew about it at least five years in advance. But when they actually did it, they didn't tell anybody. They didn't tell anybody. And then they just showed up someplace. Oh, yeah, they just rolled up even, to the picnic. Didn't, yeah, didn't mention it. Just came to the picnic, and everybody kind of lost their minds. Except their mother, who was like a little bit disappointed, you know? A little bit. Yeah. Uh, I'll tell you what, dude. Anyways. Uh, Pokemon Go has gotten... Listen, it's it's still not like a game, but there is more stuff in it recently. Uh, it has actually been a lot of fun recently. Hey, listen, man. Um, if it's an excuse to go take a pleasant walk, that's all you need. What is what Matt is our third star of the week? Dave, our third star of the week is uh, last night. I I decided that I, I I've been paying for Netflix forever because that's i mean that's just sort of table stakes for yeah like, like for life adult uh-huh. life yeah, of course you have uh so i've been paid for netflix for a while but i hadn't looked at anything on it in a couple of weeks so i thought man i'm gonna i'm gonna hop on netflix see what's happening um and i i was watching a couple of comedy specials and mm-hmm. last night i landed on the the recent steve martin martin short uh like joint like hour hour and a half special that they did I have not watched it, but I love both of those two very funny men. Okay, so you are, are you familiar with uh, what this thing is? I am not. I thought you were about to ask if I was familiar with Steve Martin and Martin Short, and I was like, yeah, dude. I, I've met, uh, yeah. They, sure, I've come yeah, you, you're alive enough. in the world. They've been right. famous no, for longer I don't than know. we've been alive. Yeah, anyways. Um, and, and so what this is, it's called uh, Steve Martin and Martin Short. Uh, it's I think it's like an evening that you'll forget for the rest of your life, or something like that. Um, and it's just... It's not actually a comedy special because they're not doing stand-up. They're both just sort of like hanging out and doing like a two-man show where like parts of it are them in conversation and parts of it are them telling jokes and parts of that are like 
Martin Short leaves for a while and Steve Martin plays the banjo and then Steve Martin leaves and Martin Short does like a bunch of character voices and stuff. Um, and I really enjoyed it. It was a very pleasant thing to watch. But the whole time I was watching it, and, and this is not, I don't want to make this sound like I'm uh, uh, speaking ill of it. It really put me in the mind of something that would play on PBS during a pledge drive. Like, you know what I mean? Like, these are people who used to be, like, in the public eye. They got back together, and everyone is very excited. And then the result is just, like, two dudes kind of hanging out on camera. And you're very excited to see them hang out on camera, but they're not doing anything, like, particularly special. Oh, man. That's the dream, isn't it? Oh, I know. Yeah, Steve Martin had a bit where he's like, hey, how... Like, people ask me how I can, like... Banjo players come up to me and ask how they can get other people to listen to them play the banjo. And the thing that I tell them is already be very famous. And I feel like that's kind of this whole thing. It's like they're already very famous and they just showed up to Netflix like, hey, will you give us money if we hang out when the camera is on? And also people will clap for us. It's very nice. Yeah, no, that sounds fantastic. It's yeah, very, man, it's like, very, yeah, very just, pleasant. That's the dream. The other thing about Netflix that I do want to mention is that I think the greatest job in the world would be the guy who chooses what frame of a TV show gets captured to be used as the thumbnail like as you are scrolling through Netflix because none of it makes any sense and now you have to think it's on purpose. <laughs> like the one like the one for Jessica Jones, a show that is owned by like it was made by Netflix. It's a Netflix show. And the picture for Jessica Jones the show is a character who is not Jessica Jones. It's a random screenshot of Carrie Ann Moss as Jaron Hogarth. And, like, huh. she's in that show, but it is not a Jaron Hogarth show. Uh, and, I, like, I feel like these people have to not just work for Netflix. They have to do everything. Because I recently bought The Man with the Golden Gun on iTunes, as I think I mentioned last week. And the, the thumbnail for it is not a picture of the man with the golden gun or the golden gun. It's just a picture of Roger Moore kind of pointing a gun at the camera. But it's like, that's not the dude with the golden gun. That's not the golden gun. You just kind of hit pause and did a screenshot and that's what we're dealing with right now. <laughs> but somebody has to make that decision. And I wish it was me. It would be so great. Anyway, Dave, what what is our third or our fourth rather star of the week? So our fourth star of the week, man, is uh, I've actually been pretty busy this week, even though it is summer vacation, because we're doing a bunch of renovation uh, at the church building. Like we just mm -hmm. we just bought this building, right? And it had been owned by a different, like a community group, right? So a bunch of people used it, but nobody was actually like taking care of it yeah I, I i think that we talked about this in a star maybe last summer when you were redoing the kitchen okay so we've done the we're doing like a big uh thing on the front now like we took out the walls and we put in windows which is good because anytime i walk by a building like a religious building that doesn't have any windows i get real suspicious oh sure like hey friend what's uh what's going on in there <laughs> what's happening in there is there a reason no one's allowed to see it <laughs> Yeah, what's uh anyway, so we put in some windows and we are putting in these uh trim pieces on these windows. So like the windows have been professionally installed and we're just putting this trim around so it looks nice. And he's got this like very cool nail gun and he's like, "Okay." That's, he said, that, "That is an exciting thing to use." I know, they're really fun. Uh so anyways, he says, "Listen, 
he's all cut the boards and you put the trim pieces like you nail the trim pieces in just be really careful because like the board does overlay the window a little bit so you've just got to make sure to keep it on like the lower portion of the board so that you don't nail gun this window sure and i said immediately i said i've got a better plan why don't you nail the boards in and i'll cut them and he said because like I'm fairly confident with the nail gun. And had he not mentioned any, like, I'm glad he mentioned something because I wouldn't have known. But had he not said, like, be super careful, I would have been fine. But he was like, be super careful. So I'm like, well, now I don't want to do it. Right, now you're in your head. You're, yeah, you're running this project. You do it. And he's like, all right, cool. So we're going along. You know where this story is going. I, 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 I'm getting a certain sense of it, yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I'm cutting boards. And then I just hear, like, and I turn around, and dude, sure enough, you'd put a nail through the bottom part of one of these windows, and I just like I'm just seeing these spidering cracks go through this whole window. This is a large window. This thing is probably like six by four. Oh no, because that means the yeah. whole thing isn't going to break at once. You have to watch it fall apart. Yeah, uh, it was. It was really. It was rough, man. <laughs> um, but the rest of the project has gone really smoothly. And he just, like, this dude has the most self-control I've ever seen in another human being. Like, he is the most even, like, I could, he clearly was upset. But he just, like, put his head in his hands <laughs> and was, like, quietly praying for a minute. Just, like, no swearing, no nothing. Uh, I was, like... You know, so anyway, so he, uh, so we just, we just called the guys and we're just like, we need another window. <laughs> hey, remember what you were just doing? Well, it's a good thing uh, you've got practice. Yeah. Uh, so anyways, Matt, what is our fifth star of the week? Dave, our fifth star of the week is that I have been listening to a new podcast. Uh, and I know that we don't usually talk about other podcasts on this show because of course this is the greatest show on earth. Um, yeah. so this is the podcast that you should be listening to and anything else is kind of secondary. But I don't feel weird talking about this one, because I don't actually know if I'm recommending it. I'm just going to tell you about the experience of listening to it. Okay. This is a podcast uh, that producer Mark turned me on to. It's called 83 Weeks. Uh, it is a interview show uh, where there is one dude who is interviewing um, professional wrestling uh, former like executive and personality Eric Bischoff. And the... That's the... Wait, hold just... That's the whole podcast. Yes. Now it's just one dude interviewing another dude. Yeah. So the the hook of it is eighty three weeks. That refers to during the Monday Night Wars in the nineties, where Monday Night Raw was competing in the ratings versus um, WCW Monday Nitro. Um, there was eighty three consecutive weeks where Nitro was outperforming Monday Night Raw. Right. Okay. And then sort of following that, that's like after that 83 weeks, like WCW started to slip and then eventually it folded and now only WWE remains. But at the time, like this was a big part of professional wrestling history in the 90s. And Eric Bischoff was for most of that time, like the dude in charge of WCW. Got it. So it is like an insider's interview where he's just talking to this one guy and it's just like, hey, this week we're spending... 
two and a half hours talking about Holy Bre- like, cats, like that's like, a really long time. Like two and a half hours just talking about Bret Hart's run in WCW. And like that's it. It's very narrow focused and it goes for a very long time. And the thing of it is, is that the guy who is interviewing Bischoff does a ton of research, and then Eric Bischoff is a professional wrestling promoter. And so like the whole point of this podcast is that he is supposed to be like really opening up and like answering all these questions honestly. But the problem is that since he's a professional wrestling promoter, like there is a degree to which he cannot let go of the idea that he has to like protect himself and protect the business and like kind of keep a few things behind smoke and mirrors while still trying to give the impression that he is telling you the 100% truth. And it's fascinating <laughs> because you're listening to it for like two and a half hours and the like the conflict that I go through while I'm listening to it, because I've been listening to it like kinda nonstop. And it's like it's not even necessarily fun to listen to. It's just really compelling. Like you just can't stop listening to this weird dude. Right, because the thing is, like, what I want is to hear somebody else like tell me the honest version of these stories. But there isn't somebody else. This is the only guy. And this is the only version of these stories that he's willing to tell. And so you just have to kind of listen to him. Like, just go off on these tangents where he's trying to make himself sound very good and make everyone else sound very bad. um, While trying to make it seem like that's not what he's doing. All the while, the interviewer is kind of like throwing jabs at him, making fun of him like for doing that exact thing. To, okay, wow. And like, I don't. And that's the thing. I don't know if I'm actually recommending this, but if you are interested in like the Monday Night Wars, like part of professional wrestling history, it's not necessarily fun. But like, if you start listening to it, you might spend a full week listening to Eric Bischoff tell you about like how much better he was than Kevin Sullivan. Huh. That's anyway. It's wild. Huh. Like the it's not. I don't have a lot of jokes about it. I threw it in the five stars because it's kind of the only thing I can think about right now. <laughs> uh, anyway, that that David. That's the five stars. We are going to take a break. We are going to watch episode twenty eight. Behold the miracle fortress, and we will be right back. Okay, welcome back. So we have just finished watching episode twenty eight. Um. Dave, how about that mighty fortress, though? Digging it, miracle. Digging sorry, it. miracle. Like it quite a bit. I mean, it is also yeah, no, mighty. No, no. It's very, very good. It's very good. Uh, okay, Matt. I know. I know that last week I said that I wasn't going to complain about the preview segment of this show anymore. Uh huh. And I, I'm not saying I lied when I said that, but I was wrong. Okay. Because I intended to keep that promise and now i realize that i can't and i'm not gonna say exactly what happens in the preview but it's a very bad preview like it's just well i'll tell you what when when we get to the bit it's that more is... of an extended spoiler than a preview when we get to the bit that is uh shown in the preview as we discuss the episode you can bring it up then and we can uh, yeah 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 i will do in. that okay so Episode opens up, and what the heck? Sorry, Matt. I'm reading my own notes for the first time because I did. I was doing voice to text, mm-hmm. and yeah. And so uh, because it doesn't say 
Bara King. Like, no way is my voice to text going to pick that up. I was just calling him BK. But instead of just putting in the letters, it just says B-E-E-K-A-Y, which does in fact say BK. Okay. See, I, I was concerned that you were telling it BK, and so it was just inserting Burger King every time. No, 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 no. Uh, it will, yeah, so the other thing is I have to come up with names that I will recognize as the thing, but that my voice-to-text will also pick up. So uh, Doran <laughs> is little, little D, and oh, Goro no. is... Yeah. Uh, Goro is Gordo. Uh, Ricky works because he just becomes Ricky, like, R-I-C-K-Y. Sure. Yeah, so anyways... So so we start off, we're in the headquarters, and they are running some analysis on the videotape that they have of Barak King. Right. And what they say is, like, okay, we don't have proof. Like, we don't know for sure that Ricky is Barak King. But they, like, they're very similar, but, like, that's not conclusive. Like, that does not necessarily mean they are, that, that Baranoia is telling the truth and that this is accurate. Right. Uh, and then the chief says, "Like, listen, here's the deal. Um, it does. It kind of doesn't matter whether or not Barra King is Ricky. Barra King is like kidnapping children and blowing stuff up. Like, if you come across Barra King, whether or not it is Ricky or ever was Ricky, you have to destroy him." Yeah. Oh, there is. Sorry, there is one moment where I think it's Momo. She goes in this big long thing about like how we do not know. That Ricky is Barra King. And then she says, like, they are similar. And then Yuji immediately jumps in and says, so Ricky's Barra King, right? <laughs> no, Yuji. That's precisely the opposite of what she just said. Hey, man, he's just saying what they're all thinking. I, Yuji okay. is the voice of the people. Is, is Yuji supposed to be kind of dumb? Like, is that part of his character? Okay. Because I'm getting the feeling that Yuge is supposed to be kind of a numbskull. Here, here is the problem with uh, the fact that we are on episode 28 of O-Ranger, is that I feel like by the end of this episode, I know about twice as much about Ricky as I do about any of the other five O-Rangers. Uh, I will agree with you with the exception of Jory. I feel like I've got a pretty solid hand. Like, I've got a pretty solid handle on Jory, which is she likes very cute things and she just has the heaviest hands. That's and true. I, yeah, so. Uh, and and uh, Momo, yeah. actually, we did. We got a little backstory on Momo. Yeah. But, like, but the, like, dudes, Goro, the dudes yeah, are just hanging out. Pretty flat. Uh, so, anyways, but we are about to get a lot more information on Ricky, which is super, super cool. Um, so, yeah, the chief says, like, listen, five girls have been kidnapped already regardless of whether, like, what or what BK is or is not, like, if you see him, put him down. Like, we cannot, we cannot allow this to continue. Now, now the problem with the chief saying this is that Doran is right there. Like, she might be standing slightly behind something, but she absolutely hears the chief saying, hey, if you see this dude out there who may or may not be Ricky, uh, just go ahead and murder him. And Doran is not thrilled about this. You know, man, no, I actually, I don't think she is in the room. And here's the only reason I'm mentioning it is because I put in my notes, because the next, sorry, the next scene is she, Little D, is standing by a pond. Okay, and you, Goro you and, cannot continue to call her Little D. Okay, uh, Doran, sorry. Uh, so Doran is sitting, I mean, I'm going to in my notes. So anyway, Listen, so what Doran you is do on your own time, that is up to you. Uh, would it help if she was Little D? Boy, no, it be... sure wouldn't. 
Okay, just wanted to test those waters. So anyways, so uh, Dorn is standing by this pond, and my notes specifically ask, how did she possibly know that the, the plan is to kill BK, uh, is to kill Bara King? So I, I think she actually was not, because I was so struck by the fact that, like, how does she possibly have this piece of information? Because Goro and uh, Drury find her, and they're like, hey, what's up? And she's like, I know that you guys are supposed to kill Bara King, but I think it's Ricky. But it's not, like, I'm very confused as to her opinion. Because she said that they're supposed to kill Bara King, but she also says, I'm I'm pretty sure it's not Ricky, because I'm convinced that he is still alive, like, someplace, somewhere out there. Yeah, she can, like, feel that he is not. Because remember, when, what what they said is that when uh, King Ranger got transformed into Bara King, it kind of, like, deleted his personality, and that he was basically already dead. And so what yeah. Doran is saying is like, no, I can still like sense his presence out there somewhere. So if he's not in Bara King, then he is like elsewhere and he's yeah. still alive. And, so, and, and, and sort actually, of, to prove this, we get to this bit where Ricky is just sort of stumbling in the dark through like a spooky bone yard. And then he, yeah, try, he, like he tries to climb up a hill and stuff. Yeah, he tries to climb up a hill and he sort of like slides down the hill. Uh, because the hill is made out of like a loose gravel, and so I think this is actually also in the quarry. Just it's the quarry at night, and it's made to look spooky. Man, I really, really hope so. But what it is is this is what it's supposed to be. As I think you're right. I think it's just the quarry. But what it's supposed to be is this like pocket dimension that uh, that Karis has trapped him in. Dude, I love it. Okay. Uh, I love it when a character just gets thrown into a quote-unquote dimension. Yeah, just, you know, one of them. Yeah, because it, it seems kind of random, but there's maybe, I don't know, 10 to 15% of the monsters from these shows that just either have a dimension inside of them or have access to a dimension. What that dimension is, where it is, how you move from one thing to the other, is never explained, and it doesn't matter. It's just dark and misty and spooky, and it's always good. Uh, I think the thing that you're really trying to say is, Matt, is it's cheap to film. That is what it is. It is cheap to film. <laughs> so uh, we go back, actually, to the pond, and we see uh, Doran and Goro and Juri again. And, like, a little bird lands on Doran. Now, I want to I, I like, stop on this for a moment. A bird lands on Doran. This is not like... Like an actual bird. Yeah, this is not a fake bird. Oh, for real this bird. is not a cartoon. Like, there's a tight shot on Doran, and then a bird just flies over and lands on her shoulder. So, like, good good job, O-Ranger, and your animal training team, uh, getting, getting this bird action moving. Yeah, it was... Yeah, they did a great job. So some, a bird lands on her shoulder. I think actually another bird lands on her other shoulder. And some rabbits are jumping around her feet. And she looks down and she talks to a flower. And the flower opens up. And Jury is so into this. Yeah. Jury thinks it's amazing. Which, again, I love about Jury. Like, she loves super cute things. And she's just got, like, the heaviest hands. It's awesome. Yeah. And, and so Doran can, like, speak to nature is what we are discovering. Yeah. So she... Has like a brief convo, I guess, with these rabbits and chipmunks. And then she turns back to the rangers and says, we're not going to lose. Ricky's going to be okay. Like, I I believe it. Everything's going to be cool. Yeah. Awesome. And then Goro's like, okay, uh, let's do it. I believe you. We are going to somehow save Ricky, who I'm now convinced is not dead. Right. So the next scene that we see 
is it's at I think it's actually at a zoo. Okay, is it in a but zoo? But it's like a for real zoo. There's like a, a zoo. I think this I might think it's be back fil- on the moon. I'm not totally no. I think because the Rangers show up here. Oh, they do show up here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So like this is on Earth. So it's a zoo. So Karis the Bara Barazuki, bro, I guess is there. It's throwing me off that she's not Bara something. She's just Karis. Yeah. Oh, so oh, she's oh, oh, there. Oh. Sorry, I don't want to interrupt, but I'm totally going to interrupt here. Um, something that a uh, someone on Twitter was mentioning to me. I'm going to try to pull it up while we're talking about this. Uh, somehow, Dave, you and I did not notice this. I think because her hair is mostly down. But the actress who plays Karis is the same actress who plays Gara from Die Ranger. Oh, no kidding. Well, dude, Gara is wearing, she wears like such a crazy getup and so much makeup that I'm going to forgive myself for not noticing that. But that's pretty cool. Uh, that is uh, uh, that is listener Joel. Thanks, Joel. Good catch, man. Uh, so anyways, so Karis is there and they have these five girls in cages and Bulldog is there and Atra and Coach are there and they've got animals. There's like a giraffe and an elephant and a uh, monkey and stuff. And so the, the plan in, in so far as you can call this a plan. So here's, here's the plan is that somehow Prince Bulldog is going to get like, mutagen ooze as far as I can tell uh-huh. and he is going to use that to merge the the little girls and animals so that he will have a little elephant girl and a little giraffe girl and a little lion girl and like a little monkey girl well, well a little cheetah girl as well the one that they're missing because they have four girls they need a fifth Oh, yeah. They want to make a little monkey girl, but they don't have a fifth They don't girl. have enough girls. So what if they go out and they capture Doran, and then they will finally have enough, and Bulldog can also have a little monkey girl. Now, I want to be very clear about something, dear listeners. You might be thinking, oh, this is Bulldog's plan, or Karis's plan, or whoever had this thought originally. These are the bad guys. They're the monsters. They live on the moon. They want to destroy all of humanity. So when they combine these humans with animals, they're going to be turning them into, like, monsters who are then going to destroy things. That's not what their plan is. (laughs) Because we see an artist's depiction of what these combinations are going to be, and they're just adorable little animal girls. Yeah, and then he says, like... Like, I will keep them as pets. Yeah, man, this is not a world's destruction plan. This is just Bull Don't Wants a Weird Lion Girl plan. <laughs> I just... I mean, man... Yeah, man, I don't... Listen, I, I mean... Like, I just don't even know how to interact with that. Like, you would think after f- the fourth season of doing this show that I would be prepared for, like, this bizarre... This level of bizarre eventuality. And this just came so far out of the blue... That the prince of the mechanical machine empire is really into the idea of, like, little were-girl pets? It's a very, like... Especially because this seems to be the ultimate plan of the last three weeks. Like, two weeks ago, Ricky arrives. Last week, uh, 
Emperor Bacchus Wrath is like, no, dude, I've got a plan. We're going to capture him. We're then going to create like a monster version of him. And then then our plan will finally like be able to come to fruition. And the thing that they do with this monster version of Barra King, or the, you know, the monster Barra King, is he kidnaps girls to turn them into adorable little, little elephant buddies. I So, and then we find out that Karis is not, so what she says is, when this plan works, make me your top political advisor. Which, like... Boldo, I don't think, has any, like, real authority. Like, that's pretty much all in Bacchus Wrath. And Bacchus Wrath and, seems to already think of her very highly. Like, she yeah. was the person he was holding in reserve to put this plan together to destroy the and, O-Rangers. And also, that dude is minimum 600 million years old. So it's uh, clearly he's not like, oh, someday I will die and Boldo will take over. <laughs> and then Karis will, like, really be, you know, like, in... I like I just don't understand any element of this. Um, I, I feel like I have to assume that the first two episodes, like the the rough outline of it, was written before they went back in to rewrite a lot of the show to make it less serious, right? Like the first two episodes of this three parter are very much that sort of raw, like serious O Ranger that we had in the first like eight or ten episodes, right? And then I feel like they looked at yeah, this, this three-episode arc, and they're like, well, we got to keep all the stuff with the 600 million years and the old war between the robots and the humans and Ricky and Doran coming back and their huge pyramid tank. But we got to figure out some way to soften this at the end so it's just not like weird, crazy, bonkers stuff from top to bottom. So why don't we, <laughs> instead of having them come up with a plan to make the world explode... Just really want to capture Doran so they can turn her into a cute monkey person. <laughs> I, yeah, I uh, listen. It's it's a okay. flawless plan. So, so the next thing we see is that uh, Barra King and the and the Barra soldiers are attacking the city. The Rangers show up. They're fighting back. It's like pretty quick. We go back to Ricky, who is passed out in this pocket dimension, uh, but his dumb lizard. Saves him. Yes. Now, you will recall from the previous episode that when Ricky was kidnapped, Paku, his weird lizard puppet buddy, sort of like snuck along with him. And now this is the this is the payoff of that. Paku yeah. is like helping Ricky wake up and showing him how to escape. Yeah. That's okay. So the part where he helps him wake up, I'm fine with. Then Ricky turns to me and says, Paku, you know how to escape? And then Paku nods. Okay. I, okay. Let me let me headcanon this. Let me let me make yeah, this work no, for you because I've got an idea. Give me literally anything. Um, Paku was awake for six hundred million years. Like the reason he was on the spaceship with them is that they were in suspended animation, and he was just like awake and alert for six hundred million years. That's like the only thing that Paku and his race are good at, maybe. And so when Ricky got knocked out as he was transported into this other dimension. Paku just tagged along and stayed awake. And so he watched them come in. And so he can like retrace their steps to help them get back out. Okay. I mean, listen, I'm making all of that up, but it does kind of work. It, yeah, listen, it works better than nothing. So. I guess what I'm saying is uh, somebody should hire me to write this show. Um, okay, so anyways, 
So, uh, yeah, I just, so somehow Paku knows the way out of this thing. Uh, Doran is, is running around. Oh, sorry. We're back to Doran. Doran's running around. Uh, but she falls into the zookeeper's trap. Like Karis has, has located her somehow. Bara King is there. He moves in to kidnap Doran, but, and this is amazing. She summons a giant flock of birds to attack them. So she summons a giant flock of birds to attack them, and then also summons a giant raptor. Now, Matt, I thought of one specific story when I saw her use this like flock of birds to attack these people. I would love to hear it. Yeah. So Ultima Online. <laughs> okay. I didn't. So, I, I really. I would not have guessed that this was the direction we were taking, and I am yeah, very well, excited. Dude, Tell me, Dave, about our, the Ultima Online. Our our childhood buddy Matt was really into Ultima Online. Do you remember this? Yes, I do. And he, yeah, and he figured out that with like a really low skill level in like animal training, you could train like crows, which was basically useless unless you took the time to train like 500 crows. And so he just walked around as like a level nothing character but with a with a crew of like five hundred murder a, a literal murder of crows, <laughs> and if anybody stepped, he would just murder them with crows. Um, Man, ultimate. Like, was yeah, dude. Uh, so any dude, I, like I'm sure there's a podcast that does this, but if you want some hilarious like early online gaming stories, just look up some like. Just like Ultima Crazy. Like, I never played it. Uh, I just know enough about it that the stories do make sense. Uh, so anyways. So she just, she she wins. Like, she wins. She wins this fight. Like, the crows and stuff win. And with the help of this, like, giant. It's a very, very bad puppet of, like, a large raptor bird. Okay. But it, it, it is effective. It is kind of a bad puppet. It's a bad puppet if it was going to be a recurring thing. But keeping in mind that they just whipped it together for two minutes. Or, like one minute of one episode, the fact that it was articulated as much as it was, like the eyes opened and closed, like it's not that bad of a puppet. I was that like yeah. in my notes, I'm like, wow, they put way more work than they had to into this thing. Uh, so anyway, so like there, Doran is using the, her like animal handling skill to, to fight Karis and Bara King. Uh, the Rangers are riding around on their bikes and they, like, they see the fight happening because they see the birds. And they're like, oh, there's, like, a big flock of birds acting weirdly. That must be where Doran is. Yeah. So they roll over there just as Bara King is killing this, like, giant condor that she had summoned. Yeah, and there is, like like Matt said, the the uh, the eyes close on this thing. So this is, like, a moment of weirdly intense pathos. Because you see the bird hit the ground, and then its eyes slowly close. Yes. Uh, and this is happening just as, you know, the, the rangers are rolling up on their motorbikes. Um, yep. But the thing is, that I love about this, is they do not stop to get off of their bikes before they start attacking Karis and Farah King. Like, they are just, like, motorcycle drive-by, like, clothes lining them as they're ro- rolling around. By the way, motorcycle drive-by, great Third Eye Blind song. Dang, that is a really good song. I've listened to that song on a really long time. So, um, 
Yeah, well, maybe they picked it up from Goro, because remember so Goro's, one of his earliest moves is just, like, cracking people in the dome with his motorcycle. Yeah, man, it's very good. It's it. been too long since we've seen that. So uh, so they do that. There's a little bit of fight, and then Karis the zookeeper transforms into her, like, weirdly organic, A, organic, and B, like, overtly sexualized robot form. Mm-hmm. And then she turns giant. Yeah, um, so yeah. this happens, they summon O-Ranger Robo, um, and my notes are a little hazy here, because it gets kind of jumbled. So she yeah, goes okay. giant, they summon O-Ranger Robo, at yeah, they summon some Robo, point and she's in like... here, Karis takes out the cage that she had been holding earlier, and says oh, like... which, like, we, they kind of check off guns this cage, but like, yeah. we did see it earlier. Um, and, like, kind of throws it at O-Ranger Robo. It grows to the size of a giant robot and traps O-Ranger Robo inside. Yeah, and she says, this is my gilded cage, which, like, I think somebody just maybe heard the term gilded cage and thought it sounded cool. But like, that's very much not what a gilded cage is, Karis. I, I mean, this is a cage that is gold. I mean, it is, I guess, literally a gilded cage. But, uh, so anyways, so... I'm just upset she, that they didn't get put into a dimension. Yeah, um, so they can't escape from it because, like, the cage itself is is too strong. So we go back to, speaking of dimensions, Matt, we go back to this, like, pocket dimension. Uh, Paku leads Ricky just to, like, a precipice. And Ricky says, like, oh, this is the way out. And Paku nods and he's like, oh, okay. And then they throw a Ricky action figure over the edge of this precipice. <laughs> Um, they don't even use a dummy. Well, I think that was the thing I found it slightly offensive about it. It's not like a loose dummy where you would, you could tell. It's literally just a Ricky action figure because it remains totally stiff the whole way down. So anyways, he leaps over the edge into the, into the precipice and he, that's, that works. Sure. I mean, why wouldn't it? So then we go back to earth and then the, there's like a fissure in the ground and then Ricky jumps out of that, and now he's rescued. Yeah, so so now we see definitive proof that not only is Ricky not, like, a transformed version of Barraking, he's not even, like, trapped inside Barraking. Barraking is an entirely separate entity that is, I don't know, man, he's, like, based on the brainwave forms of Ricky or something, yeah, dude, I, like, it might not even be that. It might literally just be, like, they used the King Ranger for aesthetic inspiration and decided they would see if they could, like, fake out the Rangers. So so Ricky pops out, and he does some cool kicks, and he sort of gets Barrett King to leave Doran alone. And then it is time for him to transform and really hop into this fight. Yeah, it's, uh... It's really good. It is extremely choice because Ricky is extremely good. I, I yeah, know we've talked um, about that a lot in the last couple of episodes. I feel like we're going to continue to talk about it until it stops being the case, which is probably never because Ricky rules. Yeah, he's like he's just very, very good. Uh, so anyways, I just, I just wanted to throw out real quickly that I, I have become used to it now, but the method by which the monsters become supersized is... It's just so bizarre oh, it's, in this show. Yeah, it's completely bonkers. We we Like it's always weird. Like Die Ranger had explode like enlarging bombs. So like that was also strange. 
But but yeah, like one robot throwing a like hammer throwing a smaller robot, <laughs> and then that smaller robot unfolding and like injecting weird glowing green like juice or energy into the neck of a dead robot to make it grow to the size of a building. It's not a it's not a normal thing, Dave. Yeah, uh, yeah, it's. I just okay. I mean, to it's clarify, a beautiful thing. There's nothing it's better. Beautiful and, ma- and amazing. Yeah. Um. Okay. So, anyways, so they so now Karis is giant and Bara King is giant. Ricky says, "Oh, like that's how you want to play this? Cool, cool, cool. Like, what is he? Is it Thunder Pyramid? Is that King Pyramid? Is it just King Pyramid? King Pyramider. King Pyramider. That's right. So he summons King Pyramider. Right." Uh, he jumps in it. He destroys the cage. Mm-hmm. Like, he, from the outside. Cool. Uh, Goro jumps out of a robo. He says, you guys handle things here. I'm going to go rescue those girls. So he jumps down. He saves the girls. Uh, it, like, once that's done, because I guess, like, you just need to be human-sized to interact with the cage, which makes sense. Uh, he just summons Red Puncher. Yeah. Boom. So now we got Red Puncher, and we have O-Ranger Robo, and King Pyramider is on the field. Yeah. And then there's... There's like a fight sequence in which it's just O-Robo and Red Puncher, which is very weird because like Ricky goes through all the trouble of summoning King Pyramider and then he just like chills for a minute or two. Um, So anyways, uh, we are reminded very briefly that Karis the Zookeeper has laser breasts. Which is to say that lasers come out of her breasts, not that she has breasts that are made out of lasers. Yeah, thank you for clarifying um, it's important to be so, specific with these things, Dave. So she, you know, I wish that that weren't true, that we needed to spe- be specific about that sort of thing. Um, but we do. I so, mean, it could easily go either way, if we're being honest. So she does like a giant laser blast. Uh, and that is enough to sort of like rock the, the rangers back on their heels a little bit. And then the Ricky mark, like the mark of Ricky appears on all of their screens. Yes, and and the mark of Ricky, as a reminder, is the kanji for king, which is also, like, the sigil that is on his mask. So here is the thing that is bananas about this to me. Is that Ricky himself is surprised. Yeah, okay. So Ricky, we know that Ricky knows that he can control King Pyramid's, like, tank fortress mode, right? Because he did yes. it by himself a few episodes ago. Um, or last episode, rather. And we also know that, like, they... When the Chief was designing Red Puncher and designing O-Ranger Robo, like, he had to put some sort of transformation sequence into a memory card, right? Like, that was a purposeful thing that he built in. Yes. What we discover now is that apparently... Not not only did the chief sort of derive ancient technology and use it to build these robots, I think what this means to imply is that the chief just straight up rebuilt, like, piece for piece, ancient robots. Because yeah. King Pyramider is already designed to combine, to form a with new these... power with the other two. With, like, these specific robots. Like... Somehow the chief like pulls up plans and he is looking at them and he's it's what he says is 
Yeah, and he says, when the three Ricky Marks appear, a new power will be born. And then he says, you must combine, as though that's a thing that they already know how to do. I mean, it must well, be, because that's what I they guess do. What, I guess what he is assuming is that, like, they maybe just have, like, a big red button that started flashing that says combine that they never noticed before. And if they all hit it at the same time, like, the robots will just take over. Because, again, Ricky has no idea what's happening. He is as as surprised as the rest of them. Yeah, if you'll remember, last episode, he was surprised and delighted to discover that the O-Rangers had robots. So here is what I am now assuming. Ricky is not his name. Ricky is, like, a title. There have to have been, like, previous Rickies. Because it is not the mark of, like... It's the mark of Ricky. He's Ricky. How would he not know what this mark... It's his mark. So the only conclusion that I can come to is that it was somebody... Like, there was a previous Ricky. And that Ricky set this whole thing up. And this kid, like, did not know about it. I don't know, man. I mean, that that works in, like, a headcanon way. But we saw paintings of Ricky, the famous pre-ancient hero. And it's this kid. Man... I don't know. Maybe it's like the hero of time. Like, you kind of got to look the part, too. I'm just, listen, I'm grasping at straws here. I mean, listen, we do do already have Doran, who is both a character named Doran, who is also the last of the race that is also called Doran. Like, listen, I just need to know why Ricky is surprised. Because there's no King Pyramider. Like, somebody built Matt, King Pyramider, but he didn't do it. He doesn't know what all the Matt, buttons do. The fact that he did not himself build King Pyramider is, like, the the shallowest scratch on the on the giant puzzle that is this mystery. <laughs> but anyways, um, so he's psyched, right? So, um, so like, they, they combine. And the first thing they do is, uh, I think it's carrier mode, right? Yeah. So they turn into carrier mode, and carrier mode is, as far as I can tell, all carrier mode does is set up, like, a fire link between every single armament on all the giant robots. So that all you have to do is hit the fire button a time, and everything goes off. Yeah, they don't transform into something new. They're all sort of, like, chained together like a big rolling chariot. This is a form that most of the um, different... Megazords have through the years and you only ever really see it two or three times before they get sick of doing that animation and just going straight to the big robot yeah well you know because it's not like it's not terribly interesting it's just like you kind of stack them up mm-hmm. and then they just sit there and then I, I do you know. I do really like the version of this from Zhu Ranger which was the original like Mighty Morphin Power Rangers Megazord like that sort of rolling tank. There was one episode where like they form into uh, Daijujin, who is the Megazord. He's standing around and fighting and then it drops down into that tank mode and it shoots a bunch of times and then it stands back up and goes back to fighting and it's very good. Yeah. But that is not what uh, happens okay. here. They just so, shoot him a million times. Yeah, they shoot him like a million times and then he dies and then they immediately change modes again. I'm not really sure why, because carrier mode was clearly pretty effective, uh, but they changed into battle mode. I mean, Dave, clearly the reason why is that these toys combine into two different forms, and they need to show off both of them, or else this is a bad toy commercial. Yeah, so 
I gotta say, I am kind of disappointed by Battle Forum. Because what Battle Forum is, is that, well, okay, King Pyramider stands up and turns into like a humanoid robot. And that's very, very good. Yeah, it, it kind of reminds me of Tor from, not Tor, Tor is what they called him in uh, Power Rangers. Um, what did what was the giant turtle thing that Cameo turned into? Oh, geez. Um, man, I anyway, the, the giant turtle carrier Zord from uh, Dire Ranger. I, I feel silly that I don't remember it now. He had like a stand up and fight as a human form. And it was similarly yeah. sort of like wide and chunky. Yeah, so it did like that. But then they don't really combine so much as King Pyramidor turns into like a bipedal garage. Yeah, he's he like he doesn't have a back. Instead, he's all hollow, and there are a bunch of like shelves on his back that all of the robots just sort of park in. Yeah. And then Red Puncher sort of like stands on it, literally like stands on a little shelf and like puts his guns up over the shoulder. And then that's it. I was really like it's no, like, Mega Dragon Zord, where, like, the whole thing sort of, like, locks together. Mega Dragon Zord, I feel like, is a real high point for uh, for for combination Zords. Yeah, I, you are definitely right. Uh, that is a very good look. This is fun. I, I It's fun if what I assume happens is that, like, the other robots are literally acting as a battery. Like, they all plug into the different, like, battery ports, and then it powers him up to shoot the big laser. Um, yeah, I, I imagine that that is the but case. But it's not like, this would not be a fun toy to play with. It would be a fun toy to set up and then take apart so you could play with the pieces. Right. Uh, so anyways, they they do combine, um, you know, in so insofar as that's a thing. And then they just just blast the bejesus out of Keras. Yeah, uh, the, this attack is called the Super Legend Beam, which is extremely good. Yeah, that's a very, very good name for things. Uh, and then that's that's basically it. Yeah. yeah. So Karis goes down, and then they we get our final little scene, and they're on like a flowery park, and they're Doran's like running around talking to animals or something, and it's the Rangers and Ricky, and they're like, "Man, Ricky, um, you are the business. This is fantastic. Like with you by our side, like we can't lose. This is awesome. Yeah. Like there's a sixth O Ranger now." And Ricky says. Uh, well, hmm, well, hold up. That that, hold that up. role that you've got. Just if, if you don't mind, slow down if you don't mind me. following my recommendation, the role that you currently have going, you might want to slow it down a, just a touch. He says, "Listen, I am Doran's protector. Like first and, and foremost, I am here to fight Baranoia. First and foremost, and I am here to fight Baranoia. That much is definitely true. But you guys are O Rangers, and I'm me." Yeah, like, you you do your thing, and I will do my thing. My thing is to follow Doran's instructions and also destroy Baranoia whenever it comes up. Your thing is, oh, man, I don't know what you're doing. You're wearing jumpsuits. Like, go, yeah. go have fun. Go back to work. So what's incredible is that this, first of all, this 14-year-old boy completely sells this, like, brush off to these adults. It's incredible. The next thing is that Yuji is just like, Whoa, who the, who do you think you are? Which, like, hey, Yuji, uh, what he is is a 600-million-year-old culture hero whose, like, powers and technology, all of your stuff is based on. Like, you are all literal 
like less powerful copies of what Ricky's already doing. So yeah, this is like King Arthur shows up and you get a little annoyed that he doesn't want to have lunch with you. Right. Uh, so anyways, oh, and then they all look up and King Pyramider is just still chilling. Oh yes. They, they like tell him that giant, they're going to need his help. They're going to rely on yeah. him. King Pyramider. Uh, it, the, uh, the last bit we have in this episode um, that might have been the last bit, but there was another bit that was right around here is that as he is saying, like, nope, I am here to follow Doran's instructions and protect her. Doran calls from across the field, like, hey, Ricky, this rabbit ran away. You need to come help me find it. And Ricky just kind of looks at the other O-Rangers like, well, here I go. <laughs> and he does it. That's the incredible thing. He's just like, well, this is, yep, this is what I do. Uh, okay, so that is the end of that episode, Matt. But it is not the end of our episode. Uh, because first, we need to determine where uh, did we... We did Baragoblin last week, right? So this week, we all did, we have to yeah. do is find where Karis... Oh, and uh, Barak King both land on the Creature Royale. Yeah. So, uh, Karis, I feel like, is... is There's a very easy start point there. Which is Sunikake Baba the Sandwich. Well, I mean, with the monster form, yes. They both have a prominent, uh, some, some, some similarly prominent features. Yeah. But I think Karis is a, is a much more interesting character than Sunakaki Baba. Yeah, she is. Again, I'm just looking, like, I'm, I'm looking for a starting point. Okay, so where is Sunakaki uh, Baba? Where is she on the list? So she is actually, she's just, she's just shy of the bottom half. Uh, so she's at spot number 71. Okay, I'm trying to think of other monsters that ran through a couple of episodes and kind of, like, during sort of a game-changing moment. Uh, actually, I, I think a good comparison point would be the Ring Priestesses, because those were characters that showed up in a three- or four-part arc right as uh, Ko showed up to begin his career oh, as the Kiba yeah, Ranger. that's actually... That's really, really good, and uh, I would say of them, I like Karis a lot better. Yeah, I think that um, the, the ring or the jewelry priestesses are interesting because they were like sisters, but each individual one of them is not that cool. Yeah. So, uh, but then as I'm looking above that, there's like Lieutenant Shiryu, Bara Hungry, Dara Dara, Shiraniri, and I, I actually don't like Karis really as much as as most of them. Uh, yeah, I don't I know. Maybe... I mean, I, I think I like Karis more than I like Aunt Bazooka. Well, you got to remember that Aunt Bazooka is largely on that on that high on that list because of just the absolutely insane episode he was in. That's true. He did turn her into an ant person, and then they ate all the animals and left their bones. Yeah, and that was weird. On the other hand, Karis does have electricity sheets that she keeps in her belly button that teleport people into a like a spooky dimension. Ooh, that is really good. I mean, there's if you're point. going straight on like which one of these is more bonkers, Karis is pretty bonkers. And plus, I do like that for a lot of the time that she's around, she's being played by like a lightly made up like regular actress so we do get a lot more characterization of her than we do for a lot of the monsters okay man well uh if she's better than aunt bazooka then we're up into bara hacker 
the shooting doji brothers kamitachi the sickle weasel i uh this, this i think is the territory that i like i don't know where in it i am necessarily looking but i feel like in the low 40s high 50s is a good spot for her well i tell you um I think she actually occupies a pretty similar space to the shooting Doji brothers. She's around for a couple episodes. She she signals a big change. But I I think I like her maybe a little bit better. I definitely don't like her as much as Kami Itachi the Sickle Weasel. Okay, uh, that works for me. Do we want to put her at uh, our new number 51 on the list? Yeah. Um, okay, Matt. So uh, that's Karis uh, Barking. Where does Barking go on this list? Where does Barking go on the list? Does Barking go on the list? Is he... Okay. Is Bar- he's a monster. I mean, yes, he is. But is he a standalone monster, or is he just, like, part of Karis's deal? Like, she trapped him... Like, she trapped Ricky in her weird dimension stomach, and then created this thing. But, like, he himself is kind of boring. He's more just, like, a minion of Karis than his own monster. You know, that is... Yeah, that's a good point. I mean, if Um, we were to put him on the list, he'd probably go pretty low. He'd probably be in that sort of thunder zone. Yeah. Uh, No, you know, I don't think he even needs to be on the list. Because like I said, he's just really an elaborate henchman. Yeah. He is a ruse. You know, it's it's not a bad-looking costume, but he's not really his own monster. So I think that actually does wrap it up for us. All right. Uh... So now that we are done with that, Dave, that is going to do it for another episode of For Your Eyes, O Ranger. Before we finish up here, I'd like to remind you that you can email the show at supersentibrothers at gmail.com. If you want to get any updates on future episodes or check out the things that we're talking about on Twitter, we are at Bros. If you like the show, please remember, shining in the iTunes review section, there are five stars. Please rate, review, and subscribe on Apple Podcasts or wherever it is that you find the show. If you'd like to find any of the other great Retrograde Orbit Radio shows, you can do so at RetrogradeOrbitRadio.com. Once again, we are the Super Sentai Brothers. I'm Matt. I'm Dave. And we'll see you next week for the greatest show on Earth.